Before we get to our great conversation today, I'd like to let you know of two incredible events happening at Lupus Ontario. First, the annual Walk for Lupus campaign event is now on. The annual Walk for Lupus is the single largest fundraising event that enables Lupus Ontario to continue to support both the lupus patient and physician communities alike in everything from groundbreaking lupus research, advocacy, and education through to specialized training in lupus for healthcare providers. It is through the incredible donations from people like you that Lupus Ontario can be so effective and positively impact the lives of those in the lupus community. The event is virtual, meaning no matter where in the world you are listening right now, you can participate and donate. Visit lupusontario.org to find out more and to donate, or go directly to lupusontario.org forward slash walk for more information. Secondly, the annual Lupus Ontario Symposium is back this year. This event is also virtual and is open for all to attend no matter where in the world you are located. We will have incredible speakers talking about new research, an opportunity to get to know a couple of rheumatologists benefiting from the Jeff Carr Fellowship, as well as presentations and virtual booths from associated patient organizations like the Sjogren Society of Canada. The symposium takes place October 22nd. You do have to register for the event, but you can do so from anywhere and join the event from anywhere as well. Be sure to register. And now, without further ado, here is today's podcast conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Lupus Ontario podcast. I'm your host, Brent Leonard. Today on the podcast, we have a very special guest. Mary McNeil joins us to talk about Sjogren's disease. Sjogren's is a chronic systemic inflammatory autoimmune disease that usually attacks and damages salivary, tear, and mucus secreting glands. This results in dry mouth, which can impact the ability to communicate verbally, dry eyes, or even internal organ damage, arthritis, painful weak muscles, neuropathy, and debilitating fatigue. Lupus patients often have associated illnesses. Sjogren's is among the most common experienced by those with systemic lupus with some estimates indicating up to 19% of those with SLE also develop Sjogren's disease. Like lupus, Sjogren's is difficult to diagnose, and 90% of those diagnosed are women. Mary McNeil is the Vice President of the Sjogren's Society of Canada and also lives with Sjogren's disease. Mary, thank you so much for being with us today. Brent, thank you so much for having me and thank you to Lupus Ontario for allowing us to, uh, to increase our profile with Sjogren's and lupus patients. Our pleasure. So before we kind of dive into Sjogren's disease specifically, let's talk a little bit about the Sjogren Society of Canada and what your mission is and kind of how you go about accomplishing that through programs and patient supports and so on. Okay, I'll go through that really briefly. The Sjogren Society of Canada is is a small, growing and vital uh, organization to provide patient support. And we were established in 2008. So we are just 14 years young. 
our mission is probably very similar to Lupus Ontario. Uh, the first thing is to provide support and education for children's patients. And we do that through regular educational programs. We have town halls and a national patient conference. Uh, of course, through our newsletters, both monthly and quarterly. We also have our website. We have a, a network of support groups, 17 across the country. And we have a 1-800 number to call for questions or any concerns. So those are how we deliver our education. Then we have our awareness programs. Uh, that's, again, mainly through our website. We have uh, social media posts through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, through our fundraising campaigns and events. And we have really wide distribution of our What is Sjogren's brochures. This is sent to all specialists, of course, to our support groups, but specialists and to um, patients across the country. Right now, we're celebrating Canadian Sjogren's Awareness Month in July with a social media campaign. And in that campaign, we are really focusing on awareness rather than fundraising. Because the summer is a busy time, you know, we're not trying to do a, you know, a fundraising program. It's really, as I said, more about awareness. And we do this with daily posts on social media. And those posts include tips and advice for uh, living well with Sjogren's. And they, these were all tips that were written by patients. And also some facts and figures, some information about the Sjogren's um, population. And we ask people to like and to share our posts. During the month of July, we celebrate um, World Sjogren's Day. That's July 23rd every year. Uh, July 23rd is the birthday of the founder of Sjogren's, Dr. Henrik Sjogren, who was a Swedish ophthalmologist. And he first identified the disease in 1937. So not that long ago. So this day is recognized across the world as World Sjogren's Day. It's again, awareness and event. And the third thing that is part of our Canadian um, Sjogren's Month is we are are doing a stroll for Sjogren's in Brockville. And we have information on our website about, about that event. So that is Canadian Sjogren's Awareness Month. So back to our um, mission, the third aspect is research. So we are always looking to uh, promote and fund Sjogren's related research. We have not been able to provide research grants recently due to the pandemic, but 5% of the money that we raise does go towards research. And we hope in you know, the next year or two to be able to, to provide support to students and doctors to do some research and, and just generally promoting you know, research, clinical trials, things like that. I mean, there's so little bit going on in the area of Sjogren's. I don't know much about, about what's going on with lupus research, but uh, there's, there's still a long way to go to increase research being done in Canada about Sjogren's. Definitely. So that's a quick overview of our mission. So education, awareness, and research. Uh, and you touch on a really interesting point too, where you know there there isn't necessarily a whole lot of research happening in Sjogren's. Um, sometimes it's hit and miss on on the lupus side too. It comes in fits and spurts. Just recently, we've had a, a number of 
pharmaceuticals make it through the pipeline through to testing and so on then right. prior to now there hadn't been anything for decades right. uh, and it's, it's really kind of the the ground research or the groundswell of support that patient groups like Sjogren's can really have to to motivate that in some right. cases right right so that's you know there we know there are some small clinical trials affiliated with U.S. pharmaceutical companies that, you know, we're looking for a systemic medication, which there, as of yet, there is not one specifically for Sjogren's. When you speak about events too, I believe Sjogren's Canada has a series of walks that are upcoming as well. Did you want to speak a little bit about yes, that? Sure. Well, one in particular here in London, and the London Walk for Sjogren's is going to be in person this year on Saturday, <laughs> October 1st. So we are, we haven't yet set up the link on our website, but that will be done in the next week. And it's it's really awareness, it's fundraising, and it's to celebrate the uh, support that we have in our among our friends and family. So it's really a chance to come together to support each other. We'll have experts who will answer questions, we'll have patients speaking, and then just a, a fun family event. So, so we have also, we have London and Paris, we have Paris, Ontario walk for Sjogren's, that's where the office is based. And so there is one there on the 17th of September, I believe. And so we, that's the two walks, in addition to the stroll for Sjogren's that's taking place tomorrow, that we are hoping to expand our walk program, but that is what we have so far. That's fantastic. <laughs> so now that we kind of understand a little bit about Sjogren's society, we have a brief understanding maybe of what Sjogren's is uh, from the introduction. Someone with Sjogren's disease doesn't necessarily need to have all of those symptoms that were mentioned in the introduction. Is that right? It can be some, but not all. Right. But clearly dry eyes and dry mouth are experienced by over 90% of Sjogren's patients. So those are you know very common, but Sure, there are some patients who do not have dry eyes and dry mouth. They may have more of the neurological symptoms. The other big symptoms that we talk about or we see um, very often is fatigue. That's, I think, over 80% of Sjogren's patients experience fatigue. Also, joint pain, you know, joint issues, muscular issues, musculoskeletal skeletal pain. Those are some of the, you know, the prime issues, but not necessarily experienced by everyone. So I spoke a little bit in the introduction about uh, you being someone who's living with Sjogren's as well. Yes. Uh, could you tell us maybe a little bit about how long you've been a Sjogren's patient sure. and maybe how your journey began? Yeah, tell, tell my story. We, we call it the, we, when we talk to other fellow Sjogren's patients, we, you know, what is your Sjogren's story? And it's very helpful to hear other people's experiences part of the support process, really. Exactly. Um, so I was diagnosed 17 years ago in 2005. And I am very grateful that I was one of the lucky ones that I was diagnosed very quickly. Because as you know, we know in both lupus and Sjogren's that that doesn't tend to happen. I had actually neurological symptoms initially. It was mainly pain, tingling, numbness in extremities. Um, probably, you know, peripheral neuropathy. My family doctor did some blood tests, referred me to my, uh, to a rheumatologist and the rheumatologist 
found that I had the classic blood markers, which again, not very often that that happens, but it was clearly Sjogren's. And then within a year, I started to experience the dry eyes, dry mouth, um, lots of dental issues, fatigue, you know, those, those, you know, kind of common symptoms. So I, um, again, I, I feel lucky because for many people, it is, it, it takes years before a doctor puts all the symptoms and issues together. You know, 17 years is good in terms of having time to find the best self-care, the best adjustments to my, my life to, you know, accommodate some of the, the challenges of of dealing with a chronic disease like Sjogren's. And, and when we speak too about uh, the dry eyes and dry mouth, it isn't just that people need to, you know, scratch their eyes a little bit, maybe just to make them tear up or right. to take a drink of water. Right. It's a little bit more extreme than that too. Is that right? Right. Yeah. So there's, there's damage that occurs to the moisture producing glands. And there are several in the eyes, starting with the eyes. And the result is a very unstable tear film, which, which then causes damage to the cornea, which can then affect vision, do, you know, cause blurring. So, it, you know, there's a constant pain, uh, discomfort, and just, you know, many issues that are just kind of overwhelming at times. So it's very important to, to be proactive in using drops, using medications that that are supposed to reduce the inflammation, um, warm compresses, you know, there's all kinds of things that we need to do proactively to uh, take care of our eyes so that we don't get to a point where uh, we have uh, scarring of our corneas. That's, you know, that's the main issue. Definitely. And in terms of dry mouth, that's because we just don't make enough saliva. We, we make much less saliva than, than normal people. And we don't realize the importance of saliva until we don't have enough of it because it's, you know, it, it has lots of benefits in terms of our oral tissues, our, our teeth, our entire digestive system, right from <laughs> top to bottom. Exactly. And so that all of those things can be problems, you know, because we don't have enough saliva and that's because our our um, salivary glands, and there's six major and, and 700 minor in our mouths that, that are all damaged by the lymphocytes that are created by the immune system attacking our own tissues. So when it comes to kind of the, I'll say the diagnostic journey, but also kind of that treatment journey that happens afterward. Right. What kinds of physicians would someone typically be interacting with? You mentioned a couple there, the family doctor and then the rheumatologist. Right. Are there others potentially right. that get involved yeah. as well? Yeah, so I mean, one of the reasons why diagnosis is so difficult is because we go to our dentist with our dental issues. We may go to an oral specialist with our dry mouth issues. We go to an otolaryngologist about our sinus you know, moisture issues, optometrist and ophthalmologist for our dry eye issues. And there may not be one doctor that says these are related. These are all, you know, one disease called Sjogren's. But when a doctor finally does that, then we are referred to rheumatologists. They're the ones that typically treat Sjogren's. But obviously, there are many other specialists that we need to see. I'm sure that's similar for, for lupus, that 
it's never just you know one so then there may be pulmonologists and you know other specialists that um, are involved in our care but typically rheumatologists would be kind of the captain of our our medical team <laughs> and that, that kind of brings it back to lupus as well because obviously with lupus the rheumatologist is again that that key focal point for people family doctors and so on other right. physicians that are needed uh, thereafter as well, depending on the course of, of the disease and how it unfolds. Um, but definitely the rheumatologist is, is key there too. You talked a little mm -hmm. bit about some of the treatments and kind of home remedies that people can do to mm -hmm. mitigate uh, kind of the issues day to day. Um, and you spoke a little bit earlier about research and the need for more research for Sjogren's. Are mm -hmm. there any kind of really good uh, treatments that are out there now that cover everything or are treatments just very symptom specific? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very much symptomatic relief and finding which relief, which, you know, which product over the counter product or prescription medication works best. So, and in the case of dry eyes, there are literally hundreds of products out there. Some of them very expensive, not just products, but, but treatment methods that you can you can get at an optometrist's office or an ophthalmologist. There's so many options and some work and some don't. So it's a matter of trial and error. Um, in terms of systemic treatments, you know, there isn't one treatment that has been approved for Sjogren's, but there are some, which probably not unlike, you know, lupus. Um, hydroxychloroquine is very commonly taken. It's a, a disease modifying anti-rheumatic drug mm -hmm. there's uh there's prednisone there's uh you know corticosteroids uh, methotrexate you know some of those types of types of immune suppressing medications even you know rituxan mm -hmm. and uh, again some people respond some some are used for a specific issue um, but there are some that would be used for some of the lung issues and some for the kidney IVIG treatments are used quite often for neuropathies, like for severe neuropathies. Yeah. So again, more more relation there to how lupus is treated with a lot of those drugs and so on, perhaps different doses, uh, but uh, definitely some more overlap between the two illnesses there. And so when it comes to living with Sjogren's, what is it like kind of in the day-to-day? -day? Are the symptoms always present and you have to deal with them to a degree, learn to live with them and to treat them, or do they kind of relapse and remit over time? You know, the symptoms are always present. Certainly Sjogren's patients report flares where there are times when symptoms are, are more severe and it, it could be related to maybe a stressful event, just having some extra stress in your life, or it could be uh, not sleeping well. I mean, it's so important when you have a chronic disease like Sjogren's and lupus to really live as healthy as possible when it comes to diet, sleep, exercise, and keeping stress to a minimum. So we, you know, definitely hear a lot about flares, but you know, I would I would say that, and I experience it at the symptoms are always there. So there's always concerns about um, eating properly, you know, for, for your dry mouth so that you're not making the symptoms worse, you know, the pain and the discomfort in your mouth. Um, and, you know, dental hygiene has to, has to be done constantly doing that extra 
you know, cleaning and, and uh, paying attention to, you know, eye care. And yeah, so it's, it really is constant, but, you know, people learn to live, you know, well, you know, the fatigue, I think is a real challenge for many people. And that can affect your ability to work, your ability to do, to travel, to, you know, to do a lot of things outside of your home. So, you know, there's, again, a lot of quality of life issues. And if we circle back now for a moment, kind of to the Sjogren Society, what is kind of the easiest way for people to get in touch with Sjogren's? Is it through social media or email if they have questions or want to get involved and volunteer? Certainly through, uh, we have the 1-800 number and through our, our general email um, info at uh, sjogrenscanada.org, I believe. <laughs> I never have to give that out. Um, yeah, I, a call. A really and and also to call the support group leaders so the support group leaders are all listed on our website and they and their phone numbers or their email addresses and so that's often what you know the starting the uh, the, the first line of support that people that people receive and then they may be encouraged by the support group leader to uh, to join the Sjogren Society of Canada and that's really where you know the benefits lie is by joining and it's you know just it's 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 very inexpensive to to join (laughs) and uh, i mean there's strength in numbers too right and that's where a lot of benefits come from support groups because everyone's journey can be a little bit different nobody necessarily has the same uh, diagnostic journey or the same symptomatic journey but you can share those experiences and really gain comfort and even a better understanding of the journey with other people uh, yes. So I really would encourage people to reach out to Sjogren's yes. and, and to yeah. the support groups, the same as with Lupus. Yeah, I totally agree. It makes, it can be, it can be life-changing to know that you're not alone and that there are other people out there who are having some similar experiences and there's so much to learn, especially with Sjogren's. Sometimes the meetings end up to be simply the products that people use and that they feel work for them because there are so many different things that that um, are possibilities. <laughs> exactly. And one final question, or maybe two final questions before we go today. And the first one would be if someone thinks they have Sjogren's or maybe they're just very recently diagnosed what would be some tips that you may have for them or, or just some information on how they can best kind of either go about triggering a conversation with their doctor about it right, or finding right. finding those tips and tricks. Yeah. yeah, we generally say that if if you have had um, dry eyes and dry mouth for more than three months, it's definitely a time to to ask the questions. I, we you know definitely feel that more and more people are you know doing a little bit of self-diagnosis, right? Just by by um, reading our website and the website in the US of the Sjogren's Foundation, which is another very good book website. 
and and talking to their family doctor and definitely saying you know I think there's something going on here but it could be that they're talking to their dentist and sometimes even the dental hygienist might mention Sjogren's maybe you have Sjogren's maybe you need to talk to your family doctor and and or a, a rheumatologist so there are many kind of points of entry but we do get definitely get calls at the office from people who want to know more about Sjogren's and and you know where to start and as you probably find with lupus it's such a relief to have a diagnosis, to, to know what you're dealing with and to, to start uh, learning. There's so much to learn, learning as much as possible about, about self-care and about medical treatment and what are some of the other therapies. And, you know, we have to use both traditional and alternative um, treatments, you know, exercise regimens, different diets that might work, you know, some of the, um, the yoga and Tai Chi forms of exercise, those can all, you know, help to reduce fatigue and um, joint pain and, and things like that. So it's not just the traditional uh, medication and, and doctors that, you know, that we need to see. So it gets kind of complicated at times. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, you, you hit on another really good point too, where getting a diagnosis, nobody wants to have a diagnosis of anything, no. but when you feel something is wrong and you kind of go through the journey and eventually you get that diagnosis, it does bring some relief because now you can put a name to it. You can start to learn about it, like you say, and actually right. seek the proper care for right. it and right. go from there. Right, right. Uh, one, one other question uh, that I had is really kind of a general one for you. And if there's anything else that you would like people to know about Sjogren Society of Canada or the disease itself, I, I wouldn't ask you maybe to, to say it now and, and let mm -hmm. people know if there is anything else that I have, I have missed. I think, you know, there, there's, I guess there's, there's misinformation that Sjogren's is just dry eyes and dry mouth and that, you know, that it's not a serious disease. And so <laughs> I'm here to say <laughs> it, it is a very serious disease that can cause some serious complications regarding neurological symptoms, uh, respiratory. Probably the most serious complication is lymphoma, which can affect five to 10% of Sjogren's patients. Our doctors should be monitoring for some of these serious um, complications. Um, and it's also, Sjogren's is a systemic disease. It can affect any area of our body, all aspects. And we're finding out more and more about how it affects our heart and liver and kidney and, and that it's, you know, it's very much a systemic disease where lymphocytes are, are damaging different, different parts of our body and that it can be progressive as well, that it isn't, you know, necessarily stable that there are flares and fluctuations, but it does tend to, to advance. We also know that a, a large number of Sjogren's patients are never diagnosed or are not diagnosed because again, there isn't a doctor that's putting it all together. They've just never heard about it. Sjogren's I think is much less known than lupus, even though there are probably more Sjogren's patients out there. And maybe it's our name, or maybe it's the fact that there are so many different doctors, but we are still, you know, we're still um, unknown in many cases, even among 
healthcare professionals. So that's a constant struggle where, you know, we may talk to a nurse or a pharmacist and, and they will never have heard of, of Sjogren's before. Um, so that's, um, you know, that, that's difficult. So it isn't just dry eyes and dry mouth. It is a, a very, very much a systemic, you know, serious, potentially serious and potentially life altering and life threatening. But many people, you know, do live fairly well with, with the disease. Yeah. So. <laughs> and that's again, why um, awareness and, and, and conversations like this right. between, yes. between patient groups is so important to kind yes. of highlight the, the importance and the significance of the disease. And you mentioned several of the practitioners and that can be involved in someone's care, even before they get the, diagno the diagnosis, family physician, hygienist, rheumatologist, potentially. And there's just a lot of areas there where people can fall through the cracks or symptoms can fall through the cracks and, and be known to one person or a provider and not to another. And that, that it's so important to kind of get that 360 right. degree picture of, of yeah, what's going I, on with someone. Right. Another issue in Sjogren's is that it can be misdiagnosed. So someone is diagnosed with lupus rather than Sjogren's because there's so many similarities um, or multiple sclerosis, fibromyalgia. So those are some of the other ones, even rheumatoid arthritis. And that's another one of those um, coexisting autoimmune diseases, probably more common associated disease than, than lupus, but, but certainly the, the, the two lupus and, and arthritis are the most common ones. And that's, that's complicated. You know, we like to encourage people to, to join the Sjogren Society of Canada or to, you know, to call and, and, and to get more information. And we also have a list of specialists that we can refer people to. These are our doctors who have been recommended by our members as being knowledgeable about Sjogren's. So that's another benefit that, that we can offer to, uh, to people. And I would encourage anybody again to, to reach out to the Sjogren Society and get to know a little bit more about the disease and how they can get involved and, and help such a great cause and, and, and support such a great community. So thank you very, very much for, yeah. for joining us. Thank you. Thanks to you and to Lupus Ontario for um, giving us a chance to talk about our disease and to talk about our, Sjogren, our, our organization. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please be sure to check out the Lupus Ontario Walk event happening now. Remember, you can participate from anywhere in the world, and please donate if you can. As well, the Lupus Ontario Symposium happening October 22nd. Registration is open. Again, you can attend from anywhere in the world, no matter where you may be, but you do have to register. Thank you very much.